Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Welcome back to Not Overthinking. This week, we're going to have a special in-between episode, which is like a Tim Ferriss idea of when you don't have a proper podcast episode, you insert like a random Q&A episode. So this week, we kind of failed at recording a podcast properly. In fairness, we did try. Tamor came up to Cambridge, but then we ended up hanging out with some friends. Then I went home to St. Albans, but I forgot the SD card. Basically, long story short, we don't have a proper podcast for you this week. So instead, This episode is going to be the audio from one of my 50,000 subscribers Q&A videos from like the 1st of August 2018. And in this video, I'm answering loads of questions relating to motivation, productivity, time management, you know, that general vibe. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and we will see you next week for a proper podcast episode. Thank you and have a good week. Bye bye. Hey guys, welcome back to the channel. If you're new here, my name is Ali and I'm now a junior doctor working in the UK. And today was actually my very first day on the job. And I'm pretty exhausted, but quite excitingly, this channel recently hit 50,000 subscribers. So thank you so much uh, if you are a subscriber. Loads of you sent in questions via Instagram DM, uh, and there were about 120 questions in total that people sent in. So I've categorized these questions into various categories, and I'm gonna be going over each one of the categories in a different video. This part is gonna be about life advice. And the first series of questions relates to uh, time management. So, uh, how do you manage your time and energy? How do you find the time to do so many things? How do you balance everything like friendship, studies, social life, life in general? Thank you very much for the questions. I get asked this a lot about time management and I have a few thoughts on this. So firstly, I think it's really important to recognize that you are fully in control of your own time for the most part. So I never ever like to use the phrase, I don't have time. And anytime I even think of, I don't have time, I always do my best to reframe it in my head as I am choosing not to make the time for whatever. So that's the first step, recognizing that you're fully in control of your time and then you know what you choose to do in your time is in, entirely down to you. Secondly, I think I like to incorporate spaced repetition. And I've made a whole video about this, about how spaced repetition can be used when preparing for exams. But I think spaced repetition, the, this idea that you do a little bit one day and then you know maybe the next day and then maybe a few days later and then maybe a few days later after that, This can apply to pretty much any other hobby as well. So let's say you want to teach yourself the piano or the guitar or singing or skateboarding or like whatever, like literally anything. You can do like 10 minutes one day, 20 minutes the next day, and then like a few days later, do another 20 minutes, a few days later, do another 20 minutes. And then over time, when you apply patience and consistency to all of these different domains of your life, you realize that actually after about a year, you're pretty good at quite a lot of different things. And then you get people asking you questions like, oh, how do you do so much with your time? How are, how are your time management skills? This, that, and the other. And to address the question of balance, in terms of balancing everything, um, I, think, I think it's important to have sort of a priority list. And in my own personal priority list, studies was always kind of at the bottom of the list. So everything else that I had to do in, or that I wanted to do in my life would come above studying. But then studying would become kind of the default option. So like, if you've if you played any like role-playing video games, like in World of Warcraft, there are some classes that, you know, you have like 10 different attacks or moves that you can use. And you have a sort of priority list that, you know, once every 20 seconds, you can use like Avenging Wrath. And then once every 10 seconds, you can use like Crusader Shield or whatever it's called. But then like you go down the priority list and then when, when nothing else is available, that's when you use your basic attack. 
And for me, studying was my basic attack in that whenever there was nothing else going on, I'd be studying. And I found that this was quite a good way of always having something to do. Okay, the next question relates to stress and Tooth Fairy X asks, how do you personally deal with stress apart from the conventional playing sports and reading, etc., more on a psychological and emotional level? And on a related note, Sravya B says, what is your best advice for keeping a healthy mind when you have exams or stress? So, um, I don't really get very stressed at all. Like, I can count on one hand the number of times I've felt stressed. And I think partly it's because I really like this philosophy of stoicism, which oh, there'll be loads of links in the, in the description. There's a really good book that I always recommend called Happy by Darren Brown. And also the, I think it's called like The Ancient Guide to Stoic Joy or something like that by William Irvine. They will appear on the side over here in my hands magically, I hope. Um, the, the philosophy of stoicism is kind of based on two main principles. The first one is that whenever we feel a negative emotion, it's not external events that directly cause that negative emotion. It is our response to those external events. It is the story we tell ourselves about the external events. So when it comes to having a lot of things to do, one story we can tell ourselves is, I've got so many things that I have to absolutely do. I don't think I've got the time to do it. Therefore, you know, that story leads to this feeling of overwhelm. Whereas if we just kind of slightly reframe it as I've got these things to do, all right, it is what it is, I'm gonna do these things. The, the, the feeling bad about having this, there's all this stuff to do, which is what I interpret as stress, that just never really comes into the equation. So it's more like things are as they are, okay, I'm, I'm gonna do them. And my own feelings about doing them just never go into the mix. So that's point number one. And point number two is, uh, you know, the classic serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept that which I cannot change, the courage to change what I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that's just like the ultimate like way of living life. So most things in life are gonna lie outside our direct sphere of control, direct sphere of influence, except for two things, and that is our own actions. We are fully, uh, for the most part, con in control of our own actions. And secondly, our own thoughts, that we can arguably control our thoughts with enough practice with a few caveats that I'm not gonna go into right now. So if the only things that I can control are my own thoughts and my own actions, then everything else that's happening in the world does not need to concern me. And I find that, like, especially when I'm talking to a lot of my friends who do feel kind of kind of stressed or a negative emotional response to to external events um, it, it 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 tends to be that they worry about stuff that they just can't control um, whereas if all you worry about are your own thoughts and your own actions then I think that is a pretty good way of living a stress-free life so those hopefully that answer the question about uh, psychological and emotional tactics for dealing with stress all right uh, Isarth says, what do you tell yourself after you're having a bad day or screw up something after working so hard? So let's tackle the screw up something after working so hard. I think like the way I like to think about this is that I would work hard at stuff, but I would do my very best to not let the outcome affect my emotional state. So in a way, it's a form of pessimism in that just having such low expectations, like for example, I've recently released an online BMAT video course. If you're taking the BMAT and applying for medicine, you might like to check it out. There'll be a link in the description. So I recently released that and I spent about three or four days working on it and like really put my heart into making this series of like 70 plus amazing videos about how to smash this exam. And even though I've worked so hard at this, I still have the expectation that, oh, okay, it would be nice if maybe three or four people bought access to this course and then I made a bit of money on the side. And that's quite like a low, that's, that's setting quite a low bar. And therefore, what was the question again? Oh, oh, you screw up something after working so hard. I think if, if I was thinking that, oh, I want a thousand people to, you know, pay for this, this like online course that I've done, 
and then I worked really hard at it, then having that high expectation means that I would feel bad for screwing it up. But because my expectation is so low and I'm working on it because it's fun and because I think it's a good thing to do anyway, then the outcome doesn't really play a part. And again, this falls back to the same thing about things that we can control versus things we can't control. The outcome of whether anyone buys my course is something completely outside of my control. What's in my control are my own thoughts about it and my own actions. The actions that I've controlled is putting effort into it and the thoughts are having a low expectation. So that is why I don't really feel bad when something goes wrong because the expectations are quite low, um, if, if that makes sense. And the next bit of the question was, what do you tell yourself when you're having a bad day? Uh, I honestly can't, I really can't remember the last time I had a bad day. And I think, again, going back to the stoicism thing, having a bad day, like days for the most part, like, you know, barring major calamities and stuff aside, well, let's put all that aside. And let's just yeah, think about cases in everyday life where, you know, life and death is not in the, in, in the balance, where we might say we're having a bad day. And usually I think when people are having a bad day, it's because they've feel, been feeling particularly stressed. They've had lots of stuff going on. Someone was a bit mean to them. The consultant on their ward didn't like, you know, shouted them a bit. Again, all, all of these are external events. And like stoicism tells us, it's not the external events that are making us have a bad day. It is the story we're telling ourselves about the external events. So consultant shouts at us over the phone because we've made a bad request. One person might interpret that as, oh, okay, cool, I'm learning from this, kind of the growth mindset. And the other person might interpret that as, oh my God, a consultant shouted at me, I, I, I feel like such a failure, I'm gonna be a terrible doctor and would therefore have a bad day because of this. So obviously this doesn't apply to everything and this does take practice and I'm, I'm deliberately not talking about very deep things where it's okay to have a bad day and you don't really need to tell yourself, like, you know, if something major, majorly bad happens in your life, then it's okay to have a bad day, that's fine. But, you know, if you wanna have fewer bad days, then I think for me what's worked is just having this idea of it's not the event that is making me feel bad, it is my story about the event. And therefore, in order to not feel bad about it, all I have to do is change my story and, you know, winner, winner, chicken dinner, Bob's your uncle, as they say. Okay, Dania asks, after a not so successful first year, how can I learn from my mistakes and do better next year? The main thing I struggle with is being consistent with revision throughout the year, especially if it's a complex subject or something completely new to me. Okay, so this is about learning from mistakes and doing better next year. And also, you know, I think it's important to define for ourselves this idea of success. You know, getting a first class degree, getting top of the year is not the be all and end all as much as it might seem initially. Like if you think back to yourself in like, you know, five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, when you were like starting secondary school or whatever, and you like, you, you can imagine like a lot of us, I, I was quite stressed about my exam results in year seven, but now I look back on that and think, why on earth was I stressed about my exam results in year seven? And it just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and equally, I think this thing, if you project yourself 10 years from now and ask, will this matter in 10 years time? I think that alone is the way to not feel bad about a lot of things. But your question was about how can I learn from my mistakes and do better next year? And you're struggling with being consistent with revision throughout the year, especially if it's a complex subject or something completely new to you. So I think, um, a, you should watch all my, my revision videos about that. Spaced repetition, active recall are just by far the most efficient techniques for revision. Doing this thing of scoping your subject, as Paul would say, where you're taking your big complicated subject and you're breaking it down into a series of manageable topics. So A-level chemistry on, it, on its own seems like a really big deal, but when you split it up, you realize it's only 15 topics. And if you can do one topic a day, you're doing the whole syllabus every two weeks. And when you break it down like that and realize that, oh, okay, this is actually a manageable series of topics, then I think at least, at least for me, that works as a way of getting myself to do a little bit each day. Also, I think when we sit down to do work, or to revise or to study or anything like that, and our goal is to do some chemistry, then I don't think that's a very good goal because 
it's this it, it can j just get so overwhelming and you just don't know where to start whereas if the goal is i am going to you know go over my active recall questions for chapter five in chemistry and that is our goal for the day then that's a very easy goal and that's you know it's 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 a goal that we we know how to achieve it we know where to start we're making life easy for ourselves because you know, it's a it's a simple, manageable goal rather than you know this big overarching goal of, of revising chemistry. So that's what I would say: scope your subject, split it down into manageable chunks, and then make your goals very, very directed and easy to achieve. Yeah, hopefully that's useful. Liant asks, "What is the greatest change you've seen from yourself these past few years?" I think these past few years, especially being at university, I've really developed, uh, or rather, I've improved at this general idea of not really caring what people think. Like starting a YouTube channel and bringing, you know, bringing a camera to lectures occasionally and to holidays and stuff, uh, even vlogging in public sometimes, and I put, putting my face on the internet, it's, it has required a lot of, I don't care what people think. And partly that comes from recognizing that most people just don't care. Like even all of the 200 people that were in my year of med school, like maybe three or four of them would have even given a second thought to me holding a camera out in the middle of the medical student in the in the middle of the medical student common room. The vast majority would have just looked on and think, okay, cool, and moved on with their lives because everyone is concerned about their own lives. No one is wasting their own time thinking about you. And I think in a way, it, it, it's like w one thing that I've learned is that it's quite self-centered to think that other people are even thinking of you. Everyone's just you know doing their own doing their own stuff. So that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from these last few years at university. I also think that while I've been at university, my confidence levels have increased. Doing stuff like this has helped. Uh, doing loads of societies, taking part in different sports, trying new things. Back when I was in school, I, I, I don't think I was a very confident person generally because my identity was just wrapped up in just being really academic and I didn't really have much else going for me. Um, but when I sort of started to grow older and got to university and A, tried to tried, tried, tried my best to dissociate my identity, my feelings of self-esteem from these external things like academics, firstly. And secondly, recognizing that, you know, it's that's like an ideal state and that we all ultimately do have our identity tied up in lots of different things. Um, I just happened to have tied my identity in a, a, like a vast number of things over time because I like this thing of learning how to, to be pretty good at a lot of different things rather than just really good at a handful of, like a very small number of things. So uh, in, in a very kind of run roundabout answer to your question, I suppose the main thing I've, I've learned these last few years is eight and to like, care a lot less about what other people think because for the most part, most people just don't care at all. And secondly, becoming more confident by having my identity wrapped up in more, or, or rather not even wrapped up, just having my identity dependent on, on fewer things as it were. If that makes sense, like, I don't know, maybe I'll do a video about this at some point, but yeah, that's, that's, that'll do for now. Uh, Nicole X in Tongue says, if you got to turn back time and meet your younger self, what advice would you give him? Uh, as does Amy Rawdson, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, this is a pretty classic question that comes up in podcasts and uh, Tim Ferriss show, the Tim Ferriss show, one of my favorite podcasts of all time, which is incredible if you want to learn how to just become a more accomplished and powerful person generally uh this is a question he likes to ask he says he says to his guests if you could go back 10 years what would you tell yourself and a lot of the guests have said pretty much the same thing which is i honestly honestly i probably wouldn't tell myself anything because you know the reason i am where i am today is because of what i did when i was younger and if i had told myself to do something else i might not necessarily be where i am today so honestly i don't really think i would give my young self any more 
kind of any advice about changing my own direction in life, I suppose I would tell my young self to, uh, I don't know, just be a little bit nicer to people. I think kindness goes a long way. I think when I was younger especially, I in a way took pride with maybe being a bit more on the arrogant side, maybe being uh, like rude to people sometimes, thinking that it was cool, thinking that, so, uh, so sometimes even thinking that they were beneath me in a way. And yeah, those are all, all really bad stuff. So I'd probably tell myself that, mate, you know, you want to grow up a bit, just be nice to people. Because when you're nice to people, people will think you're nice. And that's just, it's just generally nice to be nice. Uh, so that's what I would, I would tell my younger self. All right, moving on. Nicole again asks, what are your favorite quotes? Oh, I love this question. Okay, so I'm a big fan of collecting quotes. I've mentioned the serenity prayer already. God grant me the serenity to accept that which I cannot change, the courage to change what I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I think that's really important. Secondly, I've kind of alluded to this. Uh, this is a quote often attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt, who I think was Teddy Roosevelt's wife. And she says that you will stop caring what other people think of you when you realize how seldom they do. That's another classic. And finally, just off the top of my head, uh, there's a really good article that I return to many times a year about motivation. And uh, the title of this is something that I, I return to a number of times, and, and that is Screw Motivation, What You Need Is Discipline. And this article talks about how just because you don't feel like doing something doesn't mean you can't do that something. And there's, it's like phrase nicer in the article, I'll link it down below. But that is a quote that I always, I often think of whenever I'm thinking, oh, like, like for example, today, I've come back from a long day, like the shift lasted two hours more than it was supposed to because of various external factors. I got home and I was like, oh, I, I really can't be bothered to make this, this YouTube video. But, you know, just because I don't feel like doing it doesn't mean I can't do it. And indeed, here I am sitting here making the YouTube video because I set up the camera and I was like, oh, if I don't feel like it. So you know, I had a few different techniques, but ultimately, um, you know, not feeling like doing something is not a good enough reason for not doing it, especially when kind of the long term overarching like purpose is, is good. And you especially like with this video, I'll know that like it's quite fun doing it. I quite like the sound of my own voice and sort of seeing myself on camera. Uh, it's a little bit weird, but it's quite fun making the video. It's quite fun editing the video. And then when it comes out, I know that it'll might, might be helpful to some people. Usually people comment nice things and message me nice things. So I know that overall I will benefit from making this, this video that you're watching. But um, even though I don't feel like doing it initially, I'd try and override that. So those are just three quotes that come to mind. And actually this has got me thinking about other things. So I've been reading loads of books on Kindle these past five years. Um, and I religiously highlight interesting lines that I find. So I might just do like a series of videos where I talk about quotes from the Kindle, uh, where, you know, we talk through loads of different books and I talk through some of my favorite quotes from each of these various books. So let me know in the comments if that's something that you might like to see. But now let's move on to the final question. I'm an aspiring doctor going into my freshman year of college. What is the best piece of advice you could give me? Aspiring doctor going to freshman year of college. Okay, so there's probably some kind of American system going on. So I imagine you're doing like four years of college and then you're maybe applying to medical school or maybe from the UK, you're calling college sixth forms. So you're just doing this two years of high school. Does it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, best piece of advice I can give you is to try and make yourself different. And there is another quote that I like that I came across in a book, which is, it's better to be the only rather than the best or words to that effect. And the idea is that if you are, if you're in a class of your own, if, if you're in your own, your own category, where you're able to combine lots of different things to create this, to carve out this interesting little niche for yourself in whatever you're doing, whether it's medicine or law or economics or programming or being a YouTuber or whatever, if you can carve out this niche for yourself that so few other people are in, 
then you're automatically winning. Whereas if you're trying to be the best, which is a lot of which a lot of people try and do, and the best traditionally defined is you know getting the best grades, getting the most competitive like jobs, that becomes a very stressful to use that word way of living where you're constantly competing against other people. And I would say like the what I'm like most glad for that I have ever done in my life is teaching myself web design and learning how to code because those two things even within medicine have opened up so many doors for me much more than the fact that I got pretty good grades at school and then fairly average grades at university because in like it's just insane the amount of doors that have opened for me because of my web design skills because I can make PowerPoint presentation look pretty and because I have these other things that add to my medical degree and add to my medical stuff that in a way lets me carve out my own path and therefore anything I do benefits from having all these different areas feeding into it so if you are starting a college or pretty much any stage of your life and you're coming to me for advice then what I would say is try and make yourself more well-rounded and I know people say well-rounded because well, well-rounded has this connotation of I'm doing lots of sports so that I can get into university I don't know I do sports because you enjoy them, not because they'll get you into university. But if you can pick up skills that will that will compound in addition to your main line, things like public speaking, uh, photography, design, uh, video editing, just to name a few things off the top of my head. I'm sure there's loads of others. These things can combine with almost any field and then you can create something interesting and unique for yourself within that field. Even within medicine, there are so many doctors around the world. You don't just want to be a doctor, or or if you do, that's fine. But then you probably don't need my advice um, because you know you've got the path set out in front of you. You know what you have to do. You just need to get good grades, be nice to your patients, and you'll be a pretty great doctor. But if you're interested in maybe doing something a little bit different, then I would say my biggest advice is to work on extra things that you can feed into your medical career. Ultimately, 10, 20 years down the line, don't think in the short term, think like very, very long term and think how might this benefit me? And even if you can't work it out, like I would have had no idea that learning how to make websites would have helped me as much in medicine as it has. But it's literally, it's, it's just insane how that one skill has just absolutely transformed pretty much every project I've done within medicine just to make it so much better. So uh, yeah, I think we'll end it there. That's probably my, my best advice. Other than that, you know, just like enjoy yourself. Don't work too hard, don't work too hard. You know, people enjoy working hard. Do what you enjoy, do what's worthwhile. Um, read a lot, it's fun to read, that'll be my advice. Um, yeah, hopefully that's useful. So this has been a series of life advice questions. This has been fairly rambly. Uh, apologies if this was rambly. Uh, let me know what you think of the format. I've just pretty much just sat in front of the camera, uh, set up a light over there, uh, microphone up there, camera over there, and I'm just kind of talking to it. And I've just been talking to myself for how what is it now? Wow, 27 minutes, that's a really long time. Gonna cut this video down to less than 27 minutes, ideally. But let me know what you think of this format. Hopefully I've answered some questions that have been useful for you guys. Um, the next bit of the Q&A is gonna be about personal questions. So loads of you asked various personal things about like my girlfriend and about like, well, my goals in life and uh, about just like other things. So that'll probably be the next Q&A. Uh, but yeah, thank you, for, thank you very much for watching. If you liked the video, please give it a thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, please consider doing so. Have a lovely day and I'll see you in the next video. Goodbye.